Thank you for joining us for this next year turnaround restructuring and insolvency podcast series. We'll be exploring global issues that affect the world economy. I'm your host, Rebecca Harding, and I'll be joined by a selection of experts from around the world in firms that are all part of the Nexia International Network, and all of whom are leaders in turnaround, restructuring and insolvency. Nexia International is a leading global network of independent accounting and consulting firms. All of the experts appearing on this show can be contacted via the Nexia International website. Thank you. In this podcast, we're taking a look at the state of the economy in Canada. I was able to speak to Nathan Jansen, Assistant Chief Economist at the Royal Bank of Canada. He leads a macroeconomic analysis group. Nathan has been with RBC since 2008, and he covers the macroeconomic outlook for both Canada and the United States. Hi, Nathan. How are you? I'm great, thanks. So what's going on in Toronto at the moment? I'm sitting in the UK. What are you up to over there? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, getting to more like summer weather here. The Leafs are out of the NHL playoffs. Uh, so that's uh, typically the official start of uh, uh, the summer season in, in Toronto. Excellent. I mean, you're an expert on the economy in Canada. So let's talk about whether there is actually a recession or not. I mean, everybody's been discussing it everywhere you go. Some people are going, oh, yes, there is. Oh, no, there isn't. Even down the pub, you can't get away from it at the moment. People are talking about it. So what are your thoughts in terms of the current situation in Canada? Yeah, I mean, I think like the the economic backdrop still looks very strong, and a lot a lot of these recession concerns have been forward looking. You know, they haven't been based on current economic data. It's been that central banks have hiked interest rates aggressively uh, over the last year, and that eventually that's going to have a cost in terms of economic growth. Um, but I think it's fair to say, uh, you know, GDP growth has been uh, more resilient than expected uh, over the first half of the year. Uh, or so far to date over the first half of the year in Canada. And I think that's been true in other regions as well. Labor markets are still very strong. Um, Our own kind of view is we are still seeing cracks out there uh, in some of these economic indicators. Um, You know, job openings are lower. Consumer delinquency rates are still low but rising. Um, So we still think that there will be a cost to be uh, paid uh, from higher interest rates uh, in terms of economic growth. It can be almost a, almost a confusing point in the economic cycle where uh, the economy is still very strong. Uh, but when you're at the peak of the hill uh, in terms of the economic cycle, the only way to go is down. So there is still, yeah. even as the economy <laughs> remains resilient, there's still the expectation that growth will slow going forward and with you know risks tilted to the downside uh, simply as a function of that. Uh, there aren't a lot of upside risks left out there um, with unemployment as low as it is. Right. So I want to pick apart some of the things that you said there, because it was quite a lot in that. So if we start with the unemployment, and I, I know in the UK, and I know it's true right the way across the world from all these podcasts I've been doing, as, as well as in Canada, that finding staff is really hard at the moment. People can't find the staff for their firms or their businesses. And so unemployment's really low, and it's difficult to find those people. But isn't that a sign of a really strong economy? I mean, what, what's the deal in Canada? Yeah, absolutely. It is. And it's the same in Canada. It's same, the same in the United States. Um, you know, there just haven't been enough workers available to fill open positions. Um, and I think that's partly why, um, you know, you have seen signs that labor demand is slowing. The number of job openings is substantially lower, you know, 20 percent lower from its peak uh, in Canada, uh, for example. Um, but there was so much excess demand out there. Uh, for workers that that even with that pullback you still haven't seen that net out 
to a higher unemployment rate. But I think the concern is, you know, when do we get to the tipping point? Um, the trend in job openings and job vacancies is definitely lower. Uh, you know, if that, that continues, um, as you know, we expect it will, uh, then eventually that does uh, net out to higher unemployment rates, you know, once excess labor demand is has been absorbed. Right. And, and you also mentioned consumer behaviour. And I, I love the term you use, consumer delinquency, which, you know, for us that don't know what consumer delinquency is, could you explain that a bit further? Because it's a great term. Yeah, sure. I mean, I mean, typically uh, the way it's defined would be something like like households, you know, more than 30 days or 60 days or 90 days, whatever the threshold is uh, late on uh, debt payment. We've seen some increases in, in those delinquencies, you know, for consumer credit, auto loans, uh, credit cards. We haven't seen a whole lot for mortgages yet, but in Canada especially, you know, it takes a long time for higher interest rates to flow through to uh, household uh, mortgage mortgage costs as, uh, you know, fixed rate terms are are gradually renewed. Uh, so you'd expect that to come come as well. Right. So and how would that affect the economy sort of generally? I mean, obviously, it's an impact for those individuals, but how, how does that have a knock-on effect? And, and how will that affect the businesses that they buy from? Yeah, I mean, I mean, really, it's it's a sign that household uh, spending power is uh, getting pinched during during you know the darkest days of the pandemic. There were a lot of government transfers out there. Household incomes were uh, in Canada, particularly, were higher uh, than they otherwise would have been without the pandemic because government transfers were larger uh, than lost employment income. So households made all their payments effectively and were able to uh, to purchase current consumption at high levels. Uh, and we're getting back to a point where, you know, interest costs are now rising. Inflation has been very high. That's all cutting into household purchasing power. Uh, and what happens is then, uh, you know, when that happens, you have more households starting to miss debt payments. Uh, and so you see delinquencies rise. And uh, I think, you know, those delinquency rates are still low in Canada, but the trend is the trend is not your friend, I guess, is the way to uh, to think about it. They, they, they're they low, but rising. I mean, obviously, this kicks into the banks as well. Anything where there's payments going, you know, it's, it's a bank issue. After all, in the US, you've had these bank collapses that I've heard about as, as well, and we've all seen in the news. So how's that all impacting Canada and the banks in Canada and, and the economy generally? So I think it's impacted us uh, less, uh, and the banking structures are very different. The banking sector is structured differently in the US versus Canada. Uh, there are a lot of uh, smaller uh, US banks, whereas in Canada, uh, the market's dominated by a smaller number of larger banks. Like the UK, yeah. They were very heavily regulated. It's one of the few uh, international competitive advantages that Canada typically is seen as having is a very sound banking sector. Um, so so you, you've seen... Um, you know, pretty significant pullback in in uh, credit issuance out of, out of the U.S., or at least tightening in lending standards out of U.S. banks. Um, you've seen some of that uh, in Canada as well, uh, but not not nearly to the same extent. So, I mean, the commercial real estate as well, that's been something that's knocked into banking and because of values of property and, and how that's then affecting assets that businesses have. I mean, it's been, a, it's been a huge strain over COVID for people, but how is that kicking into the economy as well now? What are you seeing? Yeah, I think the the actual bigger macroeconomic impact of that to date has been fairly limited. And I think it's partly because there are a lot of concerns about commercial real estate markets, but it's largely focused in the office space uh, segment. 
you know, retail commercial real estate values have held up relatively well. Yeah. Um, industrial commercial real estate has been very strong. Uh, and so you're, you're still seeing, you know, more construction in terms of, um, you know, new non-residential yeah. uh, structures, uh, high rent growth. Um, so it's it's really been to date pretty uh, isolated to the office, uh, the office segment, and mostly in terms of lower uh, lower market valuations uh, at this point, uh, rather than spilling over into uh, actual lower you know, GDP growth, for example. Yeah, no, I get you. I get you. So, and of course, with buildings as well, you've got the whole energy issues and, and everything around that. What's the energy doing over there? Because, I mean, it's not been easy, has it? Yeah, no, I, I mean, energy costs and energy costs have been falling here uh, as well. You know, oil, oil prices are below where they were last year. A lot of commodity prices, you know, that initially spiked higher um, when Russia invaded Ukraine. Um, have reversed lower. You see that in uh, also in agricultural uh, commodity prices. You know, natural gas prices have fallen here as well. They never rose anywhere close to as much as they did uh, in Europe last year. Yeah, I don't think I'll forget it. <laughs> I'm still sweating from my my own energy bills at home. Yeah. We've kind of been saying like fuel oil and natural gas prices are all down. So the cost of home heating fell, you know, just in time for summer. Great. <laughs> Yeah. So, and what about the supply chain as well? Because that's one of the things that everybody's talked to me from all over the world. They've talked about the supply chain issues. So, how's it? How is it for you in Canada at the moment? Yeah, I mean, I think like the international shipping side looks like everywhere else, uh, where container shipping costs have fallen, you know, dramatically back down to around pre-pandemic uh, levels. Domestic supply chain disruptions have been a, a little longer to ease. Uh, you know, we've had a lot of labor shortages here as elsewhere, so that's made uh, uh, trucking uh, harder to come by and more expensive. Um, you know, rail uh, is more expensive than it was, but I think on even on those domestic uh, supply chain pressures, uh, there have been signs of easing. So price growth uh, for trucking and, and, and rail shipments are, are starting to ease. So you're kind of following with a leg what we're seeing at, at the international level. So what is the general picture then for you in terms of inflation? Because all these things have an effect on inflation. So what, what do you think is going on there? And, and do you think that the government's going to raise interest rates again to get um, inflation back under control like we've seen here? And, you know, what, what's happening for you? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's the number one question uh, right now uh, at the moment is, is will interest rates need to rise further to get inflation uh, under control? Uh, we have seen inflation pressures ease probably earlier. We were seeing more of that in Canada uh, than elsewhere. Um, if you look on you know a three-month rolling average kind of basis of broader inflation pressures, we've probably been running around 3.5% uh, in Canada on a month-over-month basis. Uh, we peaked at more than 8%. Uh, last summer. Um, so those pressures do look like they're easing. You know, what we call headline inflation rates will be lower, you know, just because oil prices are lower. Food price growth looks like it's past its peak and has started to uh, to roll over, not to outright declines in prices, but yeah. slower price growth. Um, so I think it, it looks better. It's just whether it's looking better fast enough for, for central banks uh, to be happy with that. Even a three and a half percent uh, inflation rate is still above the top end of uh, the Bank of Canada's uh, inflation target range, uh, which is 1% to 3%. Um, so I think uh, kind of legitimate questions whether the economic momentum we've seen uh, has been too strong um, to, to really get inflation quickly back to, to that target range. And that, that could mean more uh, Bank of Canada interest rate hikes. And that's exactly what markets are 
uh, kind of debating uh, at the moment. I'd like to take you back to that first question about the recession again and, and whether actually there has been a mild recession that we asked is there such a thing as a mild recession? I don't know if that's a technical term, but you know what I mean. That that it has been a slow, been slow economic growth, and we, you know, there are signs that we may be starting to come out of it a bit. Things are probably getting a bit better. But do you think actually, in reality, it has been a very tiny recession? I mean, I I, I don't think so. Not 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 in Canada. We've still we've still kind of been waiting uh, for that downturn to hit. Uh, so GDP growth has slowed. Um, but it hasn't been below zero. And labor markets are still exceptionally tight. Uh, the unemployment rate in Canada is 5%. The uh, record low um, back to at least 1976 was 4.9% uh, last summer. Uh, so unemployment is still is still exceptionally uh, low. I think our view has been that given the interest rate increases that we've had, unemployment is already exceptionally low. Uh, that the most likely base case has to be that as these interest rate headwinds grow with a leg, the most likely base case is that there will be a mild recession, some form of at least a mild recession where GDP declines for you know two straight quarters uh, and unemployment uh, drifts higher. But that's still largely for forward-looking uh, expectation. You know we haven't seen a lot of that in the data yet. Okay, so I mean, if they continue to raise interest rates to get inflation under control, because we still don't know whether the government's going to do any more, won't that tip the country into a deeper recession than what you're sort of talking about now? Yeah, that's what we've kind of been thinking about as the call it like an upside downside scenario. Uh, so near term GDP growth surprises on the upside, the un- labor market stay firmer than expected. Uh, but all of that, you know, because the oper- economy is already running at capacity or above above capacity limits, all that does is feed into more inflation. Uh, it doesn't create more jobs or employment or, or lower unemployment. It just creates more inflation. Uh, and that forces central banks to respond with higher interest rates. You get a period where uh, in the very near term, the economy remains more resilient than expected. Growth surprises on the upside. You know, then you get another leg down uh, from higher interest rates and potentially a larger downturn in you know 2024 uh, or 2025 than what we currently think we can get for 2023. Yeah, it's it's not cheery stuff, is it? Really? No, yeah, and it's a uh, but it, the um and the context is important. So it's so it's 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 not cheery when you look at like where we're going from where we are now. Yeah. Um, but we are operating in a world where you know unemployment rates are exceptionally low. Uh, so you can have the unemployment rate rise significantly and just get back to normal uh, at this point. So if you look at, you know, from where we are today to where we're going to be, um, you know, you, it's to us the most likely assumption is you have to include an assumption of higher unemployment uh, and lower GDP. But, you know, from where we're starting, that actually doesn't at the end of that leave you in that week of an economy, even if we're right that we will get a you know mild recession going forward. So, I mean, what, how... How is this going to affect business going forward? You know, what, what does, what's the outlook in this entire scenario for business? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's a, it's, it'll be different by sector is the, is the way that we've been thinking about it. I think you have seen some weakness in manufacturing sentiments uh, globally, really. Um, you know, if you look at the uh, monthly purchasing manager index uh, surveys, which are essentially a, a survey of business confidence in the manufacturing sector, uh, they've looked softer. Um, you normally expect to see that in a downturn um, where households tend to cut back on purchases of discretionary goods first. 
uh, and that, and we're seeing probably more of that now because those purchases were so strong during the pandemic when services were just unavailable for purchase. Um, so, you, so you're seeing a roll off in that demand for for discretionary goods to happen first. That lowers output in the manufacturing sector. Then we have these other sectors like in the travel and tourism, hospitality sectors. Yeah, typically more concentrated in spending among higher income households uh, who typically have less of an income hit during a recession and are also are sitting on high levels of income right now and yeah. are uh, uh, have a lot of pent up demand for those kinds of uh, travel services uh, after a couple of years of pandemic lockdowns. Uh, so you could see some of those sectors remain you know, relatively resilient. Uh, even if we get unemployment moving higher and then you see more of the traditional, what you would normally see is a, a pullback in uh, you know, manufacturing output and jobs uh, and uh, you know, the construction sector, but less so in some of these discretionary services spending categories. Yeah, no, that's fantastic, Nathan. Thank you so much for your time today. I think everybody would find that really useful, fantastic summary of what's going on in Canada. So really appreciate it. But if anybody's got any questions for you, where where are they going to be able to get hold of you? Is LinkedIn the best place or um, website? Yeah, yeah, but uh, LinkedIn or, or uh, Nathan.Jansen at rbc.com. That's our, uh, you know, our, uh, our email addresses are all public on our website. So uh any, anybody's free to free to email us. No, that's brilliant. Well, thanks ever so much, Nathan. And um, we'll talk again soon. Yeah, sounds great. All right. Have a good one. Thanks. Take care. Thank you so much for joining us. This podcast was brought to you by the Nexia Turnaround Restructuring and Insolvency Business Group. The group was formed to bring together financial, legal and operational expertise from across the Nexia network to support global clients and international business at times of operational challenges and financial distress. If you want to get in touch with any of our speakers, then please click the link accompanying this podcast or visit the Nexia website. All views expressed in this podcast are individual opinions and do not constitute professional advice. You're advised to seek professional advice if you want to see how an issue applies to your own situation.